0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and this is the first podcast of 2024. It's Thursday, January 4th, and I've got the formidable Avery Greengart with me here. Hi, Avi. How are you? Hi. I didn't know I
1: was formidable.
0: You are. Like, the reality (laughs) is, you've been doing this longer than most of the people I know. That is true. And because of that, like, you're the voice of authority when it comes to analysts. You're the oldest analyst I know, not in age. (laughs) but in amount of time I've known. Did you know that?
1: Yes, we go back a long ways.
0: I think I met you at CTIA in Orlando at a Verizon event with Chris Ziegler at Engadget back in 2011, I want to say.
1: You were definitely working at Engadget at the time, yeah.
0: Good times. So, hey, CS is coming up, so I want to talk about are kind of what we think is going to happen. I mean, I give you the link of a Verge or Engadget story, I can't remember, that just kind of summarizes what they think is going to happen. I haven't honestly been paying too much attention. I, so much press, like my inbox is a complete disaster. I think all of ours is. But that's not the point. The point is, I think there might be some things standing out and some non-CS things that are kind of, I guess, interfering with CS, maybe. I know there's a lot of Chinese phone launchers, including potentially some flagships that strangely are not coming to CS at all and are having their kind of own launch event in China or whatever. I suppose it's because they're not coming to the West, but it's still, it's a bummer. Like, you remember how Huawei used to launch phones in China, but still launch them at CS and stuff? Like, why don't they do that? What's your take on the Chinese not coming to CS just to get, like, to show the rest of the world what they can do, even if it's a product that doesn't sell here?
1: Well, I mean, some of the companies are deliberately not coming to the U.S. um, on a marketing basis on purpose because of geopolitical reasons. But others are focused more on the markets that they are in specifically. So uh, you do see some companies um, like Realme bringing some of their Indian phones to the U.S. uh, for launch. Um, but uh, when it comes to Xiaomi or Honor, uh, they tend to launch closer to the markets where they're actually going to be sold. Um, you could argue that that means that they're not getting the attention from the biggest media market in the world, but it's understandable.
0: No, I get it. I'm just kind of surprised because there's lots of rumors. We covered them last week, and you know they're still valid because we don't know for sure. Of like you know, the OnePlus Ace 3, which is basically supposed to be the same as the 12R that we're going to be supposedly getting. (laughs) And that's coming out today, supposedly, you know, with uh, some new earbuds from OnePlus that we're going to talk about. This has been confirmed by OnePlus, the earbuds. And then, you know, I know Oppo is going to do something soon. Like, I... presume that with this shifting of the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 and, to some extent, the MediaTek Dimensity 9300 launch, right, we're seeing all these flagships land in China this week or this coming week, next week, you know, during CS. And I'm thinking, like, if the rumors are true about Oppo launching the the X7 series, their flagship series next week in China, like... Even if they don't sell on the way, this is possibly one of the best pieces of hardware in the world today. And we know Samsung is going to try to do something exciting, you know, mid-month, like it's been confirmed now. So, yep, that's like, how. wouldn't you want to be at CS and go, ha-ha, look at what we can do? You know, I mean, it's not Huawei. They don't have to worry too much. They don't have to make a big spectacle. Just rent a hotel room and invite the media, right?
1: Uh, I mean, I think... Honestly, it's a long way to go, um, and CES is still a trade show, and the idea is that you meet with your buyers there, and the people who are buying uh, are not necessarily um, going to be at CES, at least the ones who are buying specifically for the China domestic market. That is true. That is true. I see your point on that. What do you think is going to be the the
0: biggest deal at CES? This
1: so year? I always say that CES is not the place you go to see the next big thing. It's the place you go to see the trends um, that have shaped the market across multiple vendors. Um, You'll definitely hear a lot of buzzwords um, because again, it's a whole bunch of different companies literally tens of thousands of, of companies all converging on one spot. And you get to see which ecosystems are the strongest. Um, you, you see uh, larger trends in the market, like uh, what's going on in automotive. Um, you see what's going on with electrification. And that's not just electrification of the car, but electrification of the home or solar. Um, you get to see what's going on in consumer IoT. In other words, home automation. Right. Right. And then of course there's computing and, uh, my goodness, my inbox is full of press kits with 50 announcements from one vendor and 30 from another. So, um, we're going to see a lot and then discerning what's important and what's just a buzzword. um, That's kind of the fun of the show.
0: (laughs) I agree a hundred percent. I mean, just saying for me, it's like, I've always been Interested in CS for the trends. And I agree with you there. I think it's more a consumer show still in the sense of like, you know, appliances and TVs and AV equipment. Giant TVs. That still yes. wins, right? Projectors, like, compute sure. is always big. Compute is yep. big. Intel just launched their Core Ultra. So obviously, we're yep. going to see some laptops with that. Asus, Lenovo, HP, Dell, the usual, you know, suspects. All the
1: usual suspects.
0: But I also feel that in the past, there has been times when we had seen a phone or two, right? And I kind of miss that. Like, I think that there's an opportunity with this shifting of the chip launches happening for, you know, some devices, especially devices that are going to be US-centric, OnePlus, to uh, (laughs) have a presence at CES instead of waiting all the way to MWC, Right. Like, for Samsung... Yeah, I, I would like that, too. You know, I get it, Apple, they're going to do their own thing. But, like, you know, Moto, this would be an opportunity to launch a new Edge Plus, perhaps.
1: Right? It would be, in, um, and uh, I've had some of those discussions with some of those brands. Uh, the, the issue with them tends to be, uh, do they want to try to cut through the noise? And you can explain to them that you might be the only phone there, um, but right. it's still, you know, one announcement in an absolute sea. And you know, certain things, you know, you get a hundred and ten inch TV that rolls up, and 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 you can play football with it. Um, yeah, that that's going to stand out to some people. You get a company that previously was making cameras that today is rolling out a car. That's going to get a lot of attention. Um, But for sure, you know, is an iterative phone going to get enough attention at the show? Uh, It's an open question. And the the real question is, well, if you're doing your own thing, uh, will you get enough attention there? And so for some of the brands, there's no question. Samsung, first of all, Samsung's going to have a huge uh, press conference at CES, but they're going to talk about. I'm guessing because haven't yeah, been right. pre briefed on this particular one. I'm guessing new refrigerators and new televisions and new PC monitors and and new projectors and probably a new home decor line of robots. Who knows? <laughs> um, but um, their phone <laughs> is going to get its own event, um, and, and that's always then, been the
0: case. You know. LG, though, used to bring phones to CS and I do miss the fact that they even make phones anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I I not only miss, uh, you know, I, I just miss the LG phones. You're right. I'm just saying that because of that,
0: if you are a player making a phone for this market... And you're one of the few, you know, the media is going to come like, unless you're some obscure startup, right? That nobody's heard of, like, remember the FX <laughs> those tech guys come.
1: phone? Yeah, <laughs> those guys those, come those and go be to be there. Park. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. But I'm just saying, unless you're like completely obscure, right? I think it's an opportunity and I'm surprised I'm not taking it because frankly, I go to CS and you know, that's kind of what I do. I do the automotive coverage and we should talk about that too because there's going to be a lot of that. But I do that for, you know, for tech radar, for my car, EV coverage. Then I do, you know, uh, the vaguely do the consumer tech because I'm not really into the refrigerator TVs and stuff. And then, of course, there's Sony as well, you know, and they're all over the map from including cars, right? So... You know, but the point is, I would love to have, like, something, oh, yeah, this is right in my wheelhouse, you know, like a smartwatch that's really cool from a big brand or, like, some earbuds that are really cool. That's possible. I think we we might see headphones, earbuds from TCL. We always do, and they do good stuff, right? Well, TCL, yeah, they'll have phones, I'm sure. They always have phones at CS. They'll
1: have phones. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I mean, the the issue that you're bringing up is Partly, you know, a CES issue and partly a U.S. market issue. 100%. And the timing issue also, because CES is coming out after the major holiday sales season. So if you're launching a phone now, it's because potentially you're taking advantage of Qualcomm's or MediaTek's latest chipsets. But um, it's not because you're trying to hit the fall and Black Friday Um, sales. So, So some of those phones, like the Pixel phones, showed up in the fall. Um, Apple's phones showed up in the fall. Not that Apple would be coming to CES anyway, but that, you know, both of those companies do their own thing. Um, but we will see, you know, some interesting consumer electronics, probably if Amazon is going to be there, they always have, um, they always have an interesting booth often focused on their home and ring products. Um, the uh, TCL will be there and they'll have a whole array of, of things you ha- talked about, smartwatches. Um, we're going to see a lot of smartwatches, but usually around the edges. So, uh, yeah. medical medical yeah. smartwatches are, are going to be out there in force, measuring blood pressure or um, or, or blood sugar, or, or, or you know, at least they'll pretend to. We'll see if they. Actually do, um, and kids watches and things like that. So we're gonna see we're gonna see that and lots and lots and lots of AR headsets just based on the um, uh, the the email that I've been getting uh, pitches. Uh, a lot of people are looking at the space where you're sticking something on your face um, and <laughs> what specifically it does. You know, some of these things are very basic, um, and they're basically just earbuds put into a glasses frame. And others of them are aimed at industrial use cases where they have a display, but it's really f- about, you know, setting up a wiring harness in an airplane um, and everything in between. Um, we'll see headsets for skiers and all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously also with Apple's Vision Pro coming soon, there's some impetus to kind of like ride that wave of, you know, marketing and fame as it It's were. exciting. I've gotten heads on with them. Yeah, you did, and I am still very lukewarm about this stuff, to be honest with you, and a lot of it comes to something that I think you should talk about as a bit of a break from CS, like a tangent, tangent sure. number one, folks, and that's the prescription glasses or lenses you got for your meta headset. So so that's my problem. I want to preface this by saying mm-hmm. I every time I put a VR or AR headset on, in addition to the fact that it feels weird and foreign and a little disorienting, like all the stuff, normal people, I'm not talking about tech people, but normal people experience. And the fact that it makes us look like complete dorks. Okay. <laughs> that is not I'm a big fine concern for me because I already
1: look like a complete yeah, dork, I make my living as a right? nerd. I'm fine. We're both pretty
0: nerdy. That's fine. But <laughs> the thing is still beyond all that, Every time I put one of those on, I have a crappy experience with vision. My vision, like with the fact that I steam up, I cannot put my glasses in there. And if I do, it's even worse because things get like, there's problems with the optics because of, you know, I understand that it's very critical to get the optics right so that you can maximize the performance of these displays that are being pushed to their limits uh, in terms of refresh rate and resolution. Like I'm, technically enough to understand that but my big problem is that it's a shitty experience for me every time you know and i i just be it's just been pushing me away from vr and ar unless it's like something that looks like a pair of glasses like the meta Um, Ray-Bans, which I know are not, they don't have a display, so they don't really, are not in the same category. But I'm on board with those. What I want is someone to make something like my uh, lovely Celine glasses here that costs, you know, 500 bucks and gives me some AR capability um, that doesn't require me to do anything but go to my normal
1: optician and get my lenses done. So I, I think that, first of all, you've hit upon a real pain point with, um, with spatial computing in general, um, whether you're that's AR or VR or XR or spatial computing, whatever term you want to use, um, Apple is using spatial computing. I actually think it's probably the best term from a descriptive perspective. But anyway, the challenge is that some people need glasses, some people don't, some people will wear contact lenses, um, and if you inject a true prescription lens um, into the mix. Um, then you are adding cost and tremendous complexity. Now, Apple is doing that at Apple retail store with the Apple Vision Pro. They'll have Zeiss lenses. God knows how much it's going to cost. I have no idea. The, the whole process is going to be pretty bespoke. It's, it's going to be semi-custom. You know, the, the whole headset's going to be matched to your face uh, with different inserts. So Apple is going to an extreme. Um, the other extreme and the other place where I saw, saw that it really worked well um, was with uh, the MetaQuest 3. And they seem to have worked with, because there's branding on it, Zenny, <laughs> uh, Zenny uh, Optical, which is... And that's in, what you it, wrote about. I'll put uh, a link to that That's what I wrote story. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, It's, uh, I mean, it was a end of year sort of cheeky, a little bit uh, lighter in tone than some uh, usual uh, uh, um, analytical reports, but... Um, Yeah, it was it was pretty simple. You you spend 50 bucks, you put your um, prescription on the website. A a week later, during Christmas season, um, they showed up, you pop them in, they work. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I believe that. My problem is
0: this. Technology moves so fast. You spent who knows how much on these lenses. 50, 100, 200 depends on your prescription, right? These are fixed at $50. Oh, wow. Okay. And and, and that's the other thing is, can they do my prescription is is another problem I run into all the time. Half the time they can't, you know, but here's the thing. So that's actually a very competitive price. $50 I think is reasonable if you buy a device for a few hundred dollars. But my problem is this, next MetaQuest, will it support the same lenses? Oh, I highly doubt it. Exactly. So they need to standardize this industry wide. Like this is a thing. This is an accessibility (sighs) issue. No, I'm Uh, serious.
1: uh, You're not wrong. I just know what the design constraints are. And when you're going from one pancake lens to a different pancake lens and you're putting in eye tracking in in the next version, you don't have it in this version. I get it. There's there's no question that if the lenses work from version to version, (laughs) I will be shocked, delighted, but shocked.
0: I, I know technically this is very difficult. I'm just saying, like, put yourself in the shoes of consumers who buy a new phone every two or three years. Eventually, if assuming VR takes off, Apple makes it work. You know, this is first product; it really blows people's minds. They come out with a thousand-dollar model. You know, in six months, a year, two years, and that Mm -hmm. even snowballs even further. You know, five years
1: more more than six months or. or You know what I'm saying? Imagine that.
0: Imagine we're five years from now, and somehow AR VR has become a thing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's not going to happen. Big part because half the populations wear glasses.
1: So I think that the the best solution that you have is to work with, at the very least, work with low cost vision providers like Costco or Zenny, and make it at least simple to order and get quick inserts because what we're seeing right now is like, um, I had a one pair of, they're not AR glasses. They're, you know, wearable displays that you plug into your phone or your game console and, and, and yeah, the yeah. like, and they come with these little inserts that you can then bring to your optician and then have them custom make lenses for you. And I have two problems with this problem. Number one is if they were able to do it, um, I assume that it would be, v- almost as expensive um, as the glasses set up themselves. But the bigger issue is that i brought it to an optician who's, you know, was willing to do anything. And they took one look at that and they're like, no, like it was just, no. (laughs) And that's what I'm saying. And you know, I have another tangent here.
0: I have a same problem with hearing aids, right? Like I don't wear them. So I am want to be very clear to people out there who do wear hearing aids that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I kind of have a rant about it because I somewhat know what I'm talking about. <laughs> of course about. you do. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I used to work in audiology research, in hearing right. research. So I have worked with the test equipment. I have worked with audiologists. I'm quite familiar with what it takes to measure hearing, to calibrate hearing aids, etc. cetera. And, uh, you know, I was approached not too long ago last year by uh, one of the hearing aid manufacturers and they said, here, try our hearing aids. And since you don't have any hearing, I mean, they actually tested my hearing and it's still really, really good. They said, hey, you know, we'll calibrate them to make it sound like everything is three dBs louder across the board or whatever, right? So you, you'll, the world will be louder for you overall. And you can experience like that. where you can play with the settings in the phone. And the thing I was really excited about is these are the highest end hearing aids. They're literally $5,000 hearing aids, right? I still have them. They're right here. Okay. And uh, for those of you watching on Patreon, I'm like, okay, these are the best things you can buy, you know, and yet they're crap. They're <laughs> worse than Apple AirPods. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because when I pair them with my phone for music listening, they sound like crap, even with the the correction turned off. And I'm like, you have a Perfect, almost brain interface with these. Like the drivers in here, the balanced armature drivers they use are the reason they are so expensive. They're basically like jewelry level quality mechanics. They can get sound quality out of these that exceeds any earbuds or headphones that you can buy at that price point. Yet they refuse to let you listen to your audio from your phone properly. I was like, you failed. The only thing that really saves this is that the battery life lasts all day, whereas your AirPods or they whatever don't. are not, yeah. right? But yeah. imagine for a second, if they applied themselves and kind of took more of those consumer features, and that's kind of what I think we need to see from, you know, the uh, politicians is like, you need to stop working in this alternate reality where you're a medical provider and start working in, in the reality of today where we all wear medical devices like an Apple Watch, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I just don't understand how we have all this technology and it's so siloed, right? It's like, I understand FDA approval. This is important. I worked with FDA approval. Oh my God. I've had devices that I've worked on when I did research in the 90s, take a decade to get approved, right? To validate software because it's important. I worked in radiology. So like, you, know, you don't want to overdose people on x-rays. I get it. Like you can't have any bugs. But I still think that we are kind of broken in that sense. We have all this technology we could apply to make people with disabilities life more accessible and we don't apply it.
1: Accessibility is the best use of technology. Bar none.
0: It's like, you know, uh, Zach at JerryRig, like building these custom wheelchairs that are way more affordable and way more accessible to people yep. with disabilities because his wife is in a wheelchair. And I'm like, this is what we need. And so I was all over Signia, Using bicycle um,
1: parts. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. I was selling Sydney, i like, come on, like, I love what you're doing here. Yes. Like this is probably the most advanced DSP algorithm balance armature, the hardware, the software, and for hearing aid, you know, purposes, it's the best, but you're completely missing out on the fact that a $200 pair of AirPod Pros is going to be better than this for listening to music. And if I have a hearing impairment, you know, wouldn't I want to listen to music tuned to my hearing perfectly so the thing about this is going back to the AR and VR, and then we can go back to CS is that I think, <laughs> I think that the thing for me about VR, AR is that I like the fact that Meta is working with the kind of a mainstream glasses manufacturer and affordable. So is Amazon right?
1: with their Carreras. I have them here for your Patreons if you want to see them. Oh yeah, them and,
0: please show yeah. us. So so I um, think that's, that's the future, you know, and, and I think what Ray-Ban is doing with Meta is great because 299 for that frame right oh wow look at that
1: nice you're looking cooler than ever avi thank you thank you this is why you and now of course um, I have um, a smart assistant talking in my ear in addition to Miriam um, <laughs> 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 um, not so smart I think Miriam's a lot smarter um, but um, this is this is basically for those of you listening this is an ad for Miriam's patreon you Thank go. you
0: very much. I appreciate it, Avi. Folks, if you don't know yet, there is a Patreon, and the Patreon lets you have a video version of the podcast in advance, a day or two, uh, where you can have the whole show with sometimes extra bits if we go over time, and sometimes bloopers. So, And
1: sometimes you get to see me wearing smart sunglasses.
0: And you get to see some cool phones and some hearing aids. <laughs> Not very exciting, sorry. But sometimes we've shown some exciting new things. So join and check it out, Tank Girl. On Patreon, TNKGRL. So, going back to ARVR, I'm looking forward to all the things I can enjoy, like, you know, weird, like uh, speakers mounted on glasses or cameras mounted on glasses or uh, some kind of very basic AR display. But what I'm really waiting for, and I don't know how far we are from that, is active, real-time laser projecting into my retina from the glasses a display. I'm not joking, because imagine, you, you can bypass all the optics. You don't have to worry about lenses anymore, right? You're just projecting an image in the back of the retina in real time, overlaying reality, and it autofocuses on your retina as it displays, right? So you get perfect focus, and that's where we need to go. Until we have that, I don't think I'm going to be on board,
1: Okay. I mean, I I think uh, we're a little bit away away from that. Um, I I am looking forward to getting in Apple Vision Pro and trying to figure out what on earth is the killer use case for it, whether it's being used as a display, whether it's uh, reliving my um, video memories, whether it's playing interactive games, um, I I just don't know yet. so uh, I'm eager to see that. Um, y- we have more limited use products like those um, Meta Rayban glasses powered by uh, Qualcomm that uh, do a more, much, much, much more limited set of tasks, um, focused basically on taking pictures and and having phone calls sort of near your ear. Um, but where, where I feel like there's just this huge hole in the market, um, is something that's just a little bit more advanced than that, but not too much. Someone who's chosen to focus on a few use cases, um, maybe it's directions, maybe it's notifications in your line of sight while you're doing other things. Agreed. And there was a company called North, um, that had a product just like that. I still have the 1.0. They were about to release the 2.0 version and Google bought them. And like many companies that Google buys, um, maybe it was an Aqua hire I don't know, but they've never been heard from since. So um, they even had a, um, an interesting and unique um, control mechanism where it was basically a joystick finger ring that you use your thumb to control. And so that was sort of uh, a way around the, the issue that you shouldn't have to swipe your temple, um, like Google glass, which is (laughs) incredibly awkward, um, or push buttons on your glasses, which is slightly less, but still incredibly awkward. Um, and so, you know, the other, Choices are handheld controllers, which is fine if you're exercising or gaming, but not fine for anything else. Um, or Apple's magic where yeah, the, they the pinch, gesture, the pinch right? with the eye tracking, with the cameras all around and God knows how much computing power. So um, that's you know, I don't know that we can get that in glasses just in terms of how are you going to fit all those cameras around it? Um uh never mind the compute uh power um and the heat dissipation that you'd need to run it in you know given today's silicon. Hey, look, you know, again, we're seeing companies um like Qualcomm and MediaTek focusing on some of these issues. Um and if we see um some consumer adoption or enterprise adoption, um even if it's, you know, primarily a- Apple at first because uh, at least at the very, very high end, um, they're trailblazing along with Vario, but that is not standalone. Um, and on the consumer side, you have Meta um, in the you right. know five to $700 yep. range. So I'm um, hoping that we see a lot of innovation here and rapid improvements and a-, a lot of cool things to do with them that you can't do with today's.
0: Yeah, no, I'm on board in trying it out if it doesn't, make me feel terrible like always (laughs) but (laughs) i'm still more convinced that that intermediate step you're talking about like normal looking glasses that you can get a normal prescription for that have a very basic ar display and do have speaker microphones and gestures or whatever are gonna be i think a more interesting product in the interim because i that's the thing vr is very immersive and i get that and that's the part I struggle the most with, right? But at the same time, AR or MR or XR, where you're not, your eyes are not completely blocked. I think there's a lot of promise there. Yes, you cannot immerse yourself into a beautiful 3D video you took with your iPhone. Yes, you can play a game that's immersive, you know, and maybe do the kind of fitness stuff that a lot of people love doing with VR. Oh my God, I, like just the thought of that gives me hives. <laughs> but come on, Beat Saber. Beat Saber. I know it's cool, but for two I love seconds. I um, But what I'm saying is I think we could have a very basic, like simple puzzle games or something. Like you could do stuff like that with just an augmented reality display that doesn't sure. have the super high resolution, doesn't, and has some transparency, you know. Right.
1: You know, I, I see where you're going, but then you come to the problem of price point. If I'm playing a cool puzzle game, and I'm spending $1,200 to do it. No, no, but this is my point. The next thing is it all needs to be less than 500 bucks. You still
0: have your phone in your pocket. Yeah. Maybe have it powered by your phone, right? Like that's the thing.
1: That's what Xreal is is working on. And yeah. uh, I'm going to go see them at CS. TCL have- has a version uh, I saw a prototype last year, hoping to see this year's prototype or this year's production version. We'll see where they are in the, in the cycle, but yeah, yeah. We're, 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 getting somewhat closer there. And you know
0: what, maybe I, when vision pro comes out and I can go to a store and try it out or whatever Apple does for us plebs, because I don't, not in their, you know, in their radar for devices and demos, maybe it'll be the first one I wear where I don't feel like I'm sweating, like I'm. You know, maybe they'll have inserts that are standardized prescriptions that work for me, and I'll be like, wow, this is it, right? Maybe that will be the case. But even with Meta's latest, I should probably try those prescription inserts. I don't own one, so I don't really want to spend the money. I don't have that connection with Meta. But I I just, um, maybe, maybe, maybe that's getting there, but... I feel like if anybody can pull it off, it's Apple. In the meantime, I'm much more excited. and That's why I'm going to see XRL at CES to check out these kind of like intermediate AR products mm-hmm. or, or displays on your face products that are not uh, immersive. And, you know, speaking of, since we've managed to roll it back to CES, woohoo, I love this page Yay. CA. Um, speaking of, of, um, other tech there i think i just want to briefly mention automotive i'm not quite sure what's going on i've got invites from a lot of the big car makers especially the germans and koreans to see some stuff uh and i'm sure it's going to be a lot of it's going to be you know things that are kind of similar to what we've seen before you know cars that park themselves in a garage and and you know lots of displays and heads ups and infotainment goodness and, uh, you know, I think autonomy is probably going to take a bit of a backseat considering it's not the hottest thing right now uh, with all the cruise debacle and the, you know, Tesla doing their Tesla thing that I always do. <laughs> I should say Elon doing his Elon thing that he always does. You know, for those of you who know I drive a Tesla, I still absolutely, and I know this is going to be problematic for a lot of people, but I absolutely believe that if you buy an EV today in North America, it should be a Tesla because it is the best experience and the cars are fantastic. There's a lot of bad press out there, but I think it's all BS. I do not have full self-driving. I didn't pay for it. I'm not an idiot. I wouldn't, and I don't recommend you do. But if you get the car as a you know means of transportation that is also fun to drive you can't go wrong best technology best range etc and and i some people can't separate that from elon and I get it. I respect you, but I, I'm sorry. For me, it's about the tech and the experience and having been a long-time customer and still believing like I still probably would always recommend an iPhone to everyone out there. I know I'm an Android user and I'm going to get crucified by the audience for this. But when people ask me, what phone should I buy? The first question out of my mouth is, are you in the Apple's ecosystem? Are you an iPhone user? And the next thing is
1: generally, regardless of their answer, buy an iPhone. So I'm not going to go there. Um, I'm not going to touch the Apple Android ecosystem fight or (laughs) Tesla, Um, but I will say that my expectation at CES is that you are correct. We are going to see a lot of heads up displays, higher resolution displays in the car, um, um, and lots and lots more entertainment oriented options um exactly. some of this type the type of tech that we 're seeing at you know the super high end, um where you basically you 're sitting in the back seat of a car and you 've got basically a movie screen that comes down in front of you b m w has that today on the i seven and the seventies exactly series, right, right? <laughs> so I think we're going to start seeing that. Um, in more cars. And we're gonna talk there's gonna be a lot of discussion about platforms and and the software upgradability that these platforms software-defined vehicles.
0: I, I look, I've been writing about this at Tech Radar for a long time, and people don't really believe me. Because here's the reality, folks. Again, if you have not driven a Tesla, and because they're the poster child for this software defined vehicle there's some in China too you can buy um, you know but in North America right now even the best Mercedes and best you know EVs from the Koreans are not software defined vehicles 100% you can't have a software update actually change settings in your brake control like you can on a Tesla okay for
1: better or for worse
0: for better or for worse but the point is that's going to become a standard that's where we're going and to me that's why Android Auto and Apple CarPlay are broken right because I do believe they solve a problem today but projection is not the solution when you you know log into your ipad you don't project your phone to your ipad you have an experience optimized for your ipad with the same ecosystem what we need and the chinese are doing vertically with xiaomi's car they just announced last week we discussed on the show and huawei has their cars and and you know Polestar, which is owned by Geely slash Geely, whatever, I don't know how you say it, has a phone, and Neo has a phone, and the reason it's so vertically integrated there is because, you know, they kind of do that, they they follow in Apple's footsteps. But that's where I think we're going to see a lot of that at CS. We're going to see the mainstream, traditional car makers kind of accept the fact that they need to get better at software and create some sort of ecosystem that interfaces gracefully without degradation with Apple and Google's ecosystem for people who have Apple and Google phones, right? And that's the challenge, right? It's really hard to do. And I don't think they're going to pull it off. The Chinese, and that's part of the reason, actually, the Chinese, if they were to come to North America, would dominate because they would be able to integrate seamlessly with the Apple and Android ecosystems and provide a software defined vehicle experience that matches or rivals Teslas. And that's not gonna happen for a few years with the mainstream players, for better or for worse. Some people are like, great, I don't have to worry about getting my car hacked, right? But you know.
1: Yeah, I'm not exactly expecting BYD to overtake Tesla in the US. Oh no. But here's the
0: thing. Polestars is sold in the US. So is Volvo. Sure. So is sure. Lotus. And they're mm-hmm. all owned by Geely Geely. And then I love to call it that, Geely Geely. And then <laughs> you know, there is other potential brands that could come in here. Mexico is getting a lot of the Chinese cars and they're building plants there. That would, uh, you know, solve some of the tariff issues. If they can rebrand these cars somehow, we might start seeing them in the US. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it develops. And The reason we're talking about this in the context of CS is because CS is going to be kind of like the gateway for that. It's going to show us what a software defined vehicle can be from the infotainment to all kinds of things. Like, you know, to give you an example, right? Again, Tesla. When I rent a Hertz rent a car Tesla, right? They have a whole bunch of them. I I just scan the barcode with my Tesla app on my phone on the screen of the car when I pick it up. And all my settings from my car, from my own Tesla, are applied to the car. My seat position, my radio station, my preferred navigation settings. And at the end, I can cancel that out, delete it all. Now, this is what we're talking about. I don't need Android Auto or CarPlay in my Tesla because it's such a better experience to use their system. You know, and I know it's hard to wrap your head around that if you're driving a RAV4 from 2012. Like, you're not gonna understand the experience until you get to use it every day. Not just see it at CES, but use it every day.
1: Yeah, to, to, I mean, look, there are still advantages to other ecosystems. So if you're no, using no, Google, sure. if you're using Google Maps um, and you look something, uh, look up an address, um, and, and you put it into a calendar invite, um, and then you're using um, you know, Google Maps as part of and Android Auto, um, and the destination is the first thing that shows up because the whole system is linked. Guess what Tesla does that too.
0: The thing is because Tesla uses Google Maps as a backend. But the reason it does that is because it accesses my calendar on my phone. The Tesla app has access to my calendar. I give it permission. The car now accesses my calendar. The first thing that pops up when I get in the car is actually a setting where I can say, navigate to my first destination in the calendar. And it does it. I don't even have to tap anything. It's just the first thing that pops up in the nav when I get in the car. So my point is the integration is possible. In, and I'm not saying like, again, this Erase Tesla from your mind. This could be BMW. This could be Volkswagen. This could be Kia or Hyundai. The problem Ford. is they're not doing that right now. GM. They're not doing it right.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to see uh, a lot of discussion at CES about the, these platforms and uh, about the software that goes into them. A lot of ADAS, a driver assistance.
0: Yeah. But I think it's not going to be like the self driving type stuff or the
1: robotaxi. No. It's going to be more like how can we do LiDAR cheaper? Yeah,
0: Exactly. And how can we enhance existing user experiences in the near future with affordable tech, right? And I think that's just as important because here's the thing. I'm a big believer in electrification. And that's why, you know, I go on and on about it and write about it for Tech Radar. But I do believe that it needs to be way more accessible. And so any technology that can bring that, what I experience as Tesla goodness down to another brand at a lower price point, I I want to see that, and that's kind of also why I hope the Chinese can somehow make it in through Mexico or something by rebranding their cars. It's kind of going to happen. I wrote an article on Tech Radar. Um, you can read it right now about the four EVs I'm excited about coming next year, or five, and you know, with the opening of the supercharging network is also going to help. But the Volvo EX30 is a good example. It's another Geely gili car. And it's a very software defined vehicle. And it's very heavily, you know, ecosystem integrated. It's actually running Google's back end for the entire infotainment system. So that car is going to be priced at 35, a little bit less than 35. But with the same level of comfort and performance as, what tesla delivers in the model three but in a more practical cuv kind of crossover setup right so basically a model y competitor for model three pricing made by non-tesla that works with tesla's network of superchargers it's happening i want to see more of it
1: yeah we'll, we'll see how many of that the base model actually ship um and yeah
0: i have a feeling that the ex 30 is going to be the high-end model first the high-end like end model
1: is the one that's shipping first yeah
0: It's also very enticing, to be honest with you. If I had to replace my Tesla with the EX30, I would probably go for the high-end model because I have a performance Model 3, and it's so fast, and I want that speed again. I'm addicted now. But anyway, anything else you think of CS that would possibly be like catching your attention that you're keeping an eye out for?
1: I mean, the the word that we're going to hear over and over and over again is AI. Oh, my God. And um, so we're going to have AI uh, laptops. The one thing we're probably not going to see, although they'll be at CES, but they'll be in backdoor rooms being shown to retail buyers um, are Qualcomm's Snapdragon X Elite um laptops because are going to be coming computex, out, right Yeah, they're coming out mid-year so we'll see uh we'll see they're not going to be introduced to the public um now the chipset was um but the uh the, the laptops that are going to be based on that uh, on that platform are coming out mid-year so i'm not expecting to see any of them at the show we however intel um Ha- and AMD have recently launched new chips um and Intel for the first time having an NPU um for neural processing which um is going to be a big tie in with Microsoft's Copilot um and integrating um Copilot into the next version of Windows you'll even get a Copilot key on your keyboard it's very exciting um well look i mean to, n- n- no sarcasm I actually do want to get some Copilot keys for my mechanical keyboards. It'll be fun. Um, <laughs> awesome. but, but we are going to see a lot of discussion around how does the computing experience change if you have AI integrated into the OS? And if you're calling it an AI PC, you're doing a lot of these types of uh, LLMs locally, uh, I, I happen to think that the focus should probably be more on integration of Copilot into Microsoft 365 and other productivity apps. When when you've got these capabilities integrated into applications, uh, you can actually take advantage of them and do really cool things. And it can increase your productivity, whether you're writing or creating uh, or, or designing or creating things, um, even if it's PowerPoint um those you know those capabilities are a little it's it's a little easier for me to see what the use cases are for that and why you'd be want be able to monetize them from Microsoft's perspective well it's valuable enough for me to pay for uh versus um yeah. a little bit faster and a little bit easier to get to copilot and ask it a question instead of clicking on the search bar you're pushing a button like i mean it's not bad it's just no i get it so there's gonna be so much hype i mean there are kitchen appliances at, that at ces that will say that they are ai powered there will be skateboards that are ai powered <laughs> will, yeah, I, I mean oh, no, I, I love it that love that it. is gonna if you are <laughs> if you're doing a drinking game at ces where It'll every time powered. someone says ai uh, you will have cirrhosis of the liver within 15 minutes 100%. I'm going to rapid fire
0: to some news because a lot of it is just PSAs for the audience here because a lot of the folks listening are abroad in India and in the UK and Australia and Asia and I want to make sure you know what's what but before we do one thing that's already been announced that's going to be a CS and I'm really excited about because it's so LG and so over the top is the mm. LG Duke Box, which is basically a vacuum tube standalone audio stereo system like basically you think bluetooth speaker with a but powered by vacuum tube amplifiers with a
1: transparent oled display on it what yeah, the it's, f it's uh, uh yeah it, it's first of all it's not a s- product that's necessarily going on sale it seems to be um, a concept I product hope it does it needs uh, yeah, to go it's on sale. very very cool in a Let's throw every nerdy thing we can think of into an audio product. I just um, love it because you know, vacuum tubes they sound you know, it's distortion, but it's pleasant yeah. distortion, yeah, yeah for um, sure. It's it's the, it's it, it, it's distortion that sounds good and um, and they glow and they're old school, but then you marry it with transparent OLED and you can put a fireplace on the display with the, <laughs> with, with the vacuum tubes flickering in the background. And yeah, I don't know what your, I have no idea what your audio, what audio you're listening to, um, when you, when you're doing that, but yeah, God bless LG. That's, that's a, uh, that, that, that's one where I, I saw that and I was like, I don't need that. Um, I'm not sure anybody it. does, but it's
0: cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's going to be cool. I'm going to definitely seek that out at their booth. All right. Samsung Galaxy Unpacked is officially coming on January 17th. We talked about the rumors last week. I can now guarantee you 10 a.m. Pacific time. You know, that's what? 1 p.m. Eastern time. Correct. On. But I'll be on Pacific, Pacific
1: time because I'll be there. And yeah. I
0: will be there. I will be there, too. Also vivo x100 series we've covered it at length um starting with the mediatek summit uh back in november uh this is a Dimensity 9300 equipped product at least the pro version and that is now coming to india so that's good news i knew that they were going to bring that outside of china and there's now rumors of an x100 pro Plus, like they've done before, that might be China only, but we don't know anything about that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Snapdragon HN three too.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's, it might it might be a different chipset.
0: But the bottom line is, if you're in India, I salute you because this is an incredible phone. Ben Sin has extensively covered it, um, and I have requested to review in it now that it's global because it's coming to india i'm hoping to get my hands on one um we talked about it earlier about oneplus launching some buds not pro buds but buds 3 non buds 3 pro alongside the ace 3, which is going to be essentially a OnePlus 12R, which is rumored to be coming to North America. The R's are usually sold in India only. There was an 11 and a 10R. We didn't get an 11T last year, but think of this 12R if it comes to North America as a 12T, basically. But interestingly, released now because, well, OnePlus is making foldables now, so they have to launch those in the summer, right? Just kind of like Samsung does. Interesting how that changes. And then alongside that, though now we're doing the whole BBK group here, uh, Realme 12 Pro Plus. So the Realme numbered series, 11 Pro Plus currently, upcoming 12 Pro Plus, and before that, 10 Pro Plus, et cetera. They've had a Pro Plus, and it's been very imaging centric, and it's delivered at the mid range some incredibly high end imaging performance. I believe the 10 Pro Plus had OIS with a really high quality. Big main sensor and delivered some really great photos. And then the 11 Pro Plus had a 200 megapixel main sensor uh, that did lossless 3x zoom by cropping the sensor.
1: I had one too. The the key to that product wasn't what it could do, but what it could do at its price point.
0: Exactly, we're talking 300 350 US dollars for these, and. Uh, incredible camera performance for the money. I, I have the 11 Pro Plus, and I loved it. Now the rumor is, I mentioned it last week on the show, that uh, we saw a teaser of a Periscope telephoto phone from Realme, but we already know the GT5 Pro is out. I have it. I showed it on the show last week. It's my right now my little muse. I'm really liking it. It's delightful. Uh, it's in a case here, but it's basically the same as a OnePlus 12 more or less for a little less money i mean based on the specs because those are both available in china but now we we see that this periscope telephoto is actually coming to this um Realme 12 pro plus so we're going to get a mid-ranger with some sort of crazy 3x or whatever optical telephoto and i'm excited about that yeah me too it's going to be good. So I'll link to all of these uh, BBK Group news in the show notes. Alongside with a couple of more items, the Honor Magic 6 Pro was teased by Honor officially, and it looks like a very much an evolution of the Magic 5 Pro. But it does look like it has a larger main sensor. At least the diameter of the camera is bigger. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. It's just cosmetic. But it's, um, it's interesting. And then there's a very cute... Purple color, which is what I'm excited about. <laughs> um, also, there are rumors, by the way, that the V2 Magic V2, the folding, the thinnest, lightest folding phone in the world, is finally coming to global markets later this month. Ooh! So uh, stay tuned have on to, that. Uh, yeah. And of course, the Porsche design partnership we discussed in previous shows. So there's going to be some good stuff coming from Honor, and I just wanted you guys to know about this because the colors. And the final item is Poco. The X6 series is launching January 11th. That's their flagship. Um, I've requested a review in it. I've got the X5 Pro from last year. It was okay. I, I feel like Poco is doing some good stuff still, but I feel like Redmi and Poco, the sub-brands of Xiaomi, are kind of used to push the envelope a little more. Like Realme is really pushing the envelope in BBK Group Land. And I feel like maybe Xiaomi's lower tiered brands are not quite as exciting, but maybe I'll be wrong. This Poco X6 Pro will reveal all when we find out later this, uh, this month on January 11th. What are your thoughts on all these Chinese launches happening so early this year, even in the mid-range, which is not necessarily related to Snapdragon 8 Gen 3, right? So what's your take?
1: Um, You know, some of this is just a matter of iterative updates that, you know, we just get on a regular cadence, particularly anything going into India um, tends to have a faster refresh cycle um, just because that's what the market demands. Um, But, you know, some of it also is that the phone market hasn't always been doing so well. Um, Huawei is doing extremely well now that they have their own 5G chips, um, and are able to sell into their home market with homegrown Silicon. Um, but some of the other uh, folks have been struggling with macroeconomic issues, um, especially in China. And so refresh the product line and hope for better.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I played with the, uh, Uh, Mate 60 Pro at actually, ironically, at the Qualcomm Snapdragon Summit recently. Um, And wow, the camera on that thing. And yes, the chip is, you know, not quite as competitive as it could be. It's basically a two-year-old. Terms of performance and specs in general, but the uh, software is so optimized, right, on these phones that it doesn't. F- it felt so snappy to me still, and I have a mm, P the forty Pro. Good. <laughs> the yeah, camera's the camera's really amazing. Good. I have a P forty Pro Plus here still um, with the latest app software update, and that thing screams. It's so fast. So um, I'm excited about what honestly what Huawei's been doing, despite not having access to the latest technology. Uh, It's pretty impressive, and it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, But I'm obviously way more excited about the phones I can get with Google, you know, mobile services. (laughs) And for that, Honor is definitely uh, the closest to Huawei for that. And then all these phones we'll be discussing. um, I really have always been gung-ho about the phones we can't get in North America, especially the Chinese phones that are sold globally in Europe and India and other markets in the West. And I am continuing to cover them extensively for you guys because I think that's where the innovation is happening. I mean, you know, the software innovation is still happening a lot on the AI side with Google and Apple. And I
1: think it is safe to say that there are hardware vendors who are also uh, working on AI Um Trying to take the advantage of the NPUs on the uh, on the the new chipsets from Qualcomm and MediaTek, and so they're 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 pushing the envelope. Usually in like one place or, or one area. Maybe it's translation. Uh, maybe it's a camera feature. Uh, but we are we are seeing some innovation. But at the OS level, yeah, it's going to be. It's it is going to be the apples and the googles because they're the ones who control the platforms.
0: Absolutely. So that's kind of why I'm excited about the Chinese phones because, like, you know, we're not seeing periscope lenses on the iPhone because Apple decided to do it. We're seeing it because the Chinese have been doing it for five years. Okay, like that's the reality, right? And so I I want to see more stuff. Speaking of iPhones, actually, our friend Mr. Mobile captain to phones michael fisher has uh,
1: uh co-launched a product it looks like called Clicks, yeah he's getting into hardware
0: which is a case for your iphone that turns into a palm pixie
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a bit of a throwback um for someone who is um in in my mind one of his best video series is when phones were fun i feel like oh my god i love that so much he's trying to make phones fun today exactly and you
0: know what i don't know too much because i still have to watch his video i haven't had time yet i've watched the video
1: we're gonna see that cs
0: i have a briefing so i'll let you know more i'm hoping to get one from my 15 pro max to try out and now, that's not going to fit in my pocket, for sure, because, you know, I wear cargo pants, shorts, whatever you want to call them, and I have four pockets, and honestly, this is a problem, you I have to mention this to the audience, and you're the first one to hear it, but the phones have grown so big that my cargo pockets are getting too small. No. They have to stop. They have to stop. <laughs> I can barely fit these phones in my pockets anymore, and there's no way that with this clicks case that adds a hardware keyboard to the bottom fifth, I guess, of the phone. Yeah. We're going to be able to fit that in a 15 Pro Max in my pocket. Like, no yeah, so, way. It's so so, so
1: my, Michael actually had a segment in his video where he talked, where he showed the phone, um, sticking out where the, uh, keyboard was, uh, was out of the pocket. And of course, you know, it's his product. So he's like happy to show it off. And he thinks that everyone should you know, put it in their pocket that way and have it upside down <laughs> with the keyboard sticking out. But, um, yeah, the, the other solution is to take the case off cause it pops on and off easily. Um, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a niche product. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's kind of a delightful niche product and the colors um,
0: are great. And so,
1: you know, yeah. I hope it sells. From what I gather
0: right now, it does have a lightning version with a lightning input for the
1: 14 Pro series. No, I think it's just the 14 Pro for now. I mean, but again, this was just based on... Watching one video, we'll get, I, I, full de- uh, we'll get full details next week. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I'm hoping they do it in the
0: either other phones like the base 14 and the 15 and the 15 Pro and the Pro Max because like ideally, actually, I think they should make one for the SE because the SE is such a small real estate, and that would cover any phone from the iPhone 6 onward, basically like six, seven, eight, original SE, SE two, SE three. That's a lot of phones.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but that's, you're still getting into the same issue we were discussing when we were talking about glasses inserts. You need to get uh, an economies of scale. You got to find the right, um, uh, the, the right target that's justifies building a product specifically an accessory specifically for that product. And that can, that, that can be challenging. I mean, it's, uh, as I said, it's, it's a bit of a niche product, um, and so they're targeting the 14 Pro, I believe, 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max to start. Um, and we'll see how well they do.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. I love the design. I love the colorfulness of it. The kind of plastics they're using, at least visually, look like a lot of those plastics that were used by Nokia for the Windows phones, you know, um, the Lumias. And I kind of dig it. So I'm looking forward to it. My only... Thing right now is, it's going to depend on how good that keyboard is. It better be Blackberry grade, right? And that's, we'll know next week. So stay we'll tuned for that week. one. In the meantime, I'll have uh, Michael's video in the show notes. So follow that, check it out. And I think we should wrap up. Avi, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on
1: social and also tell them about your consulting business? Sure, sure. I run Techsponential. You can go to Texponential.com. Most of my reports are free to download. So go ahead, download, read them, enjoy. Um, And on social media, I'm usually at GreenGart, my last name, on most of the socials. And if it's not that, it's AviGreenGart at LinkedIn and, you know, the more formal type places. Ooh, formal. But yeah, folks, you should follow
0: Avi on all the socials and definitely check out his text writing because he's got some of the best insight of any of the people I know. So Thank check you. it out. I'll put links in the show notes to, you it's know, some kind of that you. stuff, of course. And folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tank Girl, that's T N K G R L. Like the comic book character, just drop the vowels, and that's my handle on all the social, basically Twitter threads, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Skies, where I am. So find me there. And then of course there is the podcast that lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on all the major platforms: Google, Apple pocket cast spotify etc so please subscribe and tell your friends if your app lets you rate or review the show please consider doing that the youtube channel is youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast i just posted my unboxing video of the realme gt5 pro which i think is a delightful phone it's china only right now but it's really blowing my mind it's really good And uh, you can see it up close and personal in this unboxing video. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the bell, comment in the comments. Let me know what you think of the podcast and this Realme phone. And finally, there's a Patreon that you can join to help me out if you want to help me financially. Patreon.com slash tank That's patreon.com slash TNKGRL. As I mentioned, the big perk there is a video version of the podcast. You get it a day or two in advance and you get to see our faces. You sometimes get extra content. You sometimes also get bloopers. It's fun and, uh, you know, it's a bit exclusive. So if you want to help me out, that's a great way to do it. Check it out on Patreon. There's also access to a Discord server and a bunch of other perks there that you can uh, benefit from. So, If you can help, I'd appreciate it. Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. And if you don't like Patreon and you want to help out another way, there is a link in the show notes to my website that brings you to a PayPal button. And you can make a donation, a one-time donation, like buy me a cup of coffee or something. That would also very much help. So I would appreciate your support. And I also want to thank my sponsor, Mint Mobile. You know I review a lot of phones, so I'm constantly juggling multiple devices. While that's fun, it also means I'm spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple SIMs. Thankfully, there's Mint Mobile, and that's who I'm teaming up with for today's podcast. If you want to save money on your wireless service, switch to Mint Mobile. You've probably seen the Mint Mobile ads featuring Ryan Reynolds, but let me quickly tell you how fantastic their service is, especially for tech-savvy early adopters like us. Mint mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the big three for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current devices and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM card free of charge. The whole process only takes 15 minutes and if you get stuck, Mint has a great customer service team to get you through it. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link mintmobile.com mobiletech mobile tech to get premium wireless starting at $15 a month. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And I want to thank you, Avi, for being my guest yet again. Thanks
1: for coming on the show. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a long time. We should have regular appearances. I'm I'm happy to be here.
0: I will definitely take you up on that. And we'll have Avi back, folks. Stay tuned for another show next week. You know that's going to happen. And until then, cheers, everybody. Thank you.
1: This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by
0: worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.